FOMO. I was terribly just over, overly annoyed, I guess, is, is the most appropriate way to say it, with the fashion world and the insularity of it and the clickishness and the, and the you know, people talk about in corporate America, the glass ceiling. In the fashion industry, it's women stepping over women or women keeping other women down. And it was stifling. And I just felt like I needed, I personally lacked a community that was outside of fashion that were founders. I had plenty of friends, but no one who was having the trials and tribulations that businesses experience every day as an owner. That's Rebecca Minkoff, founder of both the eponymous fashion brand and the Female Founder Collective. I'm your host, Patrick McGinnis, and this is FOMO Sapiens. When the world's spinning out of control, it can be impossible to know what to do and what to miss out on. That's called FOMO, which is short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term, and I'm the world's first FOMologist. And this is the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers, people I call FOMO sapiens, how they live and work with conviction no matter what life throws at them. FOMO. FOMO. Welcome back to another episode of FOMO sapiens. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, and I know it's one of yours because we've researched this, entrepreneurship. But we're going to look at a specific element of entrepreneurship because we have two women on the show Rebecca Minkoff and Allie Wyatt, and they have created the Female Founder Collective because as entrepreneurs themselves, they realized that there was a big hole in the market and they wanted to help other women who want to blaze a similar trail to them. So Rebecca Minkoff and Allie Wyatt are the co-founders of the Female Founder Collective, a 9,000 person plus network of businesses led by women, supporting women on a mission to enable female-run companies to positively impact our communities and increase financial prosperity for women. They launched in 2018 with the intent to support, develop, and elevate the founders of female-owned and led businesses, and they bring women together to manifest their own economic opportunities, and they are growing. So we're going to talk about this today. They're sort of getting into their next phase of growth, and I wanted to have on the show, first of all, because I love talking about entrepreneurship and especially female entrepreneurs, and we've had on the past lots of female entrepreneurs. We've also had Anu Dougal of the Female Founders Fund who came on with Shan Ma of a company called Zola, which is a huge company in the wedding space. So we've talked about this. And the reason I'm interested is because Anu's a good friend of mine. In fact, she's kind of like in my quarantine pod. And so we spent a lot of time together and she invests exclusively in women-founded businesses. And even though she's been doing this very successfully, you know, she's got two funds under her belt and she's going to have more in the future. You know, it's crazy because uh, it's still shocking how little venture capital goes to women. So I just think it's important we talk about this. We raise some consciousness about it. Also, because I love the fact that Allie and Rebecca, they're just cool people. Rebecca has had this fashion company she started almost 20 years ago. Allie has worked in a bunch of different industries from beauty and fashion to, to, to media. And they're just really smart and knowledgeable people that are really going to tell us a lot of things that are good for female entrepreneurs, obviously, but kind of any entrepreneur, because we get real about fundraising and a lot of the other challenges of starting and scaling a business. So definitely for the ladies, but not just for the ladies today. So please check it out, all you men as well. (laughs) Don't leave me. And I also have a small ask, which is listen to this episode and then share it with a woman who you know who's either running a business or wants to run a business, wants to start a business, because this advice is very good. All right, boom, we are done. So let's move on to the interview. Now, 
I just got a little interested in these women's backgrounds and I did a bunch of research, but I couldn't figure out how the heck they knew each other. And so I decided to start our conversation by asking him what I thought was a really simple question, which is, how do you know each other? And it ended up being a lot more complicated than I expected. So let's start there. And I asked the question first to Rebecca. All right. So Rebecca, tell me, how did you guys meet? We met uh, many, many years ago, which Allie had to remind me, but I, I'm going to say I was pregnant at the time, so I get a free pass. We were both on a panel. Uh, then we met again in Cannes at a lunch. Um, and as I had just launched and started the Female Founder Collective, it was basically three months old. I, we would talk about Allie, like, why don't we just have an Allie? Um, and then she emailed. And it was like, I was just as nervous to call her um, as I would be a boy had I not been married. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I got to make this work. I got to figure out how could I get her on, you know, on, on the team on board. Um, so that's how we first met was a long, long time ago at a panel that was sponsored by a shoe manufacturer, believe it or not. All right, Allie, do you have any edits on that? Or is this just, this is kind of square with your, your recollection? No, this is, this is, this is, also the same recollection I have, although I will add, um, there is a video on YouTube, which I helped send to Rebecca to remind her of that panel. Um, and the other really interesting thing was when I met Rebecca again in Cannes, she also, she doesn't remember this part necessarily, but she was sitting on the floor of a bathroom in the ladies lounge that Shelly Zalas hosts. And she was pumping or actually, I think you might've been breastfeeding. It was when, and I was just so impressed because she had literally just come off a panel and, you know, jumped right in. And I was like, this is the ultimate mom boss. That's awesome. And by the way, you were in France. So nobody even batted an eye, which is good. I mean, we should be like there everywhere, but, but, uh, but very appropriate. Now, Rebecca, I was, I was stalking you a little on LinkedIn and I saw you've been at your company for over 19 years, nearly 20 years. You started this like right out of college, which is amazing. I mean, let's just think about that. How many people pull that off? Right. So for those who might not know your company, be your customers, tell us a little bit about Rebecca Minkoff and where the business is today. So Rebecca Minkoff is a lifestyle brand that I started out of my fifth floor walk up over 20 years ago, uh, at this point over 20 years ago. And, um, it was basically the idea that, you know, it first started with a handbag as the thing that truly took off. And back in 2005, uh, we entered in at a price point that was incredibly new and groundbreaking and very affordable. Um, and so we became this milestone moment brand of, of a woman when she celebrates a raise or her first job or meeting someone. And so we've become that go-to brand when women want to, you know, buy that thing for themselves that like they earned it. Um, we're located in over 900 points of sale. It's been published that we've done over a hundred million in revenue. And, uh, we have a freestanding store in New York city, which is closed right now, but hopefully we will open it soon. Nice. Now, Allie, you, uh, you know, we have Rebecca here who's just been the, with the one, building the one thing over 20 years, which is one model. You've done a bunch of stuff. You've had a bunch of different roles in publishing and beauty and media. So take us through some of the, thing, the things that you've done so we can understand kind of how you guys come together. Yeah. So I've really sort of lived my whole career mostly in the media space. 
Um, so I started off my media career, if you will, uh, sort of right out of college, but at InStyle Magazine. And then I went to The Knot. Um, and then I went on to L when they were sort of launching digital. Um, and I put air quotes around that because it was like this hot new thing at the time. Um, and then I went from there to Refinery29 when they were in a basement and trying to figure out what their revenue model would look like. And what I loved is it was this intersection of commerce and content, which we sort of saw as the future. Um, after that, I went on to Goop when Gwyneth Paltrow was moving the business from London to Los Angeles and tried to sort of create the infrastructure and the revenue model there, and then was consulting for a bit, and then launched Girl Boss with Sophia Amoruso, um, and then left and that's when I reached out to Rebecca because I was really interested in what I was seeing in that all of these female entrepreneurs were emerging because they could no longer sort of exist within a, a corporate environment. Um, so they were starting their own businesses so that they could control their own schedules and their own destinies, which I thought was super interesting. But I think the, the sort of highlights for me is the fact that I've been able to sort of ride this wave of the media evolution and have this very unique vantage point where you know, it was, I was in print and then everything started going to digital and I went to digital and then everything started to become about bloggers and social and influencers. And I got to work with a ton of different influencers, then celebrities. And then I think the really interesting thing that's next and and where Rebecca and I sit um, is community, right? It's, it's no longer, social was really a, blo- a broadcast platform even though it seems like it would be, you know, the opposite. It's supposed to be social, right? Something where it's conversational, but it's actually not. Um, and now you're seeing that with within media, you have to have a community and sort of this base that is going to have mutual adoration and love for the brand or the person that they're really getting behind. And so I think that's sort of the next phase. And then after that, we're going to start to see purpose being sort of the the core of um of brands in this evolution oh big time you know we've had a bunch of mission-driven founders on here everybody from blake mykoski of toms to the president chobani so it's interesting you just kind of took us through the history of commerce um (laughs) which i like because i was just thinking as you're talking i'm like i can imagine rebecca when you were starting your company like you know, there was, it were websites, right? But I mean, it was like the incipient phase. There was no social media until like 2004. It just, it's been an incredible change over the last 20 years. And you've been, you know, Rebecca, you, you clearly, you have a day job here. You're running a company that's got your name on it. So you're, you know, you got a lot going on. Tudo bem, meus queridos fomo sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages, but I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. 
Now, FOMO sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. But you decided, you guys decided to work together to start this initiative, this nonprofit, the Female Founder Collective. So Rebecca, tell me a little bit about why, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's like, I don't have enough to do already. Why did you decide to do this? There are sayings, you know, give something to a busy mother and uh, she'll get it done. So I think that a couple of things were happening. I was terribly just over overly annoyed i guess is is the most appropriate way to say it with the fashion world and the insularity of it and the clickishness and the and the you know people talk about in corporate america the glass ceiling in the fashion industry it's women stepping over women or women keeping other women down and it was stifling and i just felt like i needed i personally lacked a community that was outside of fashion that were founders i had plenty of friends but no one who was having the trials and tribulations that businesses experience every day as an owner. And so I was like, I got to find some people and I got to find them quick. Um, so that was sort of the impetus for the the beginning of it was, can we have a community of women who can share deal flow, you know, failures, roadblocks, people to stay away from? How can that community unlock opportunities for each other? And then I was also really sick of, uh, you know, I was uh, on the panel circuit like a crazy person in 2018. And all women are talking about is the wage gap, yet nothing is changing, nothing at all, not not even one cent. And I was like, we're going to just talk until we're in the grave. And so my my handling for it was, well, if we can make a recognizable symbol or seal that consumers anywhere, men or women, can know that they're supporting a, a women-owned business and we can get that into the zeitgeist and cross the line like non-GMO did for the food industry, then we will have moved that you know, 80 cents to 81 or 82 and we'll be that much closer. So that was kind of the initial idea of it. And then obviously when Allie came in with her incredible experience, we thought, okay, there's even more to unlock here. There's education. There's mentorship, sponsorship, and tons of other ways that we can go deeper uh, to support women. All right. So, Ali, uh, Rebecca just set you up perfectly for my next question, which is, okay, so we have identified the problem, right? Now it's time to talk about solutions. And in, in the startup world and the entrepreneurship world, there are a million panels. There's a million networking events. There's a million accelerators, incubators. It is it's awesome. I mean, like, I love all that. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that are, you know, I would actually use the word like sort of performative, like they're, they're you know, a lot of people running around, but doesn't really get anything done. And so you guys had a chance to start from zero to build the blueprint and then figure out how you could have an in intervention that would actually make some sense and make a difference. So how did you do that? How did you decide what to do? And what does what does the collective do today? So as far as how FFC works and sort of the why behind why we felt this was the appropriate platform to scale impact is the reality in and sort of getting the chance to run and operate a number of different startups that I found, but also what Rebecca had also had just spoken to and alluded to 
is some of the best pieces of advice that you get in the most pivotal and instrumental things for growing and scaling your business are from other founders. And they're founders that are one step ahead of you who can help you see around that corner or to tell you that investor is predatory or, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not the right, or even just as simple as they have a totally different strategy and it saves that person a ton of time preparing, um, to meet with that investor or with outreach. Um, you know, the other things that founders do for each other is it's as, it's as simple as a CRM platform or an email service provider where you get the wrong one and it can totally derail your business. And, takes months to onboard it. So actually being able to find founders, and this is getting into how it works, that are within the same industry, that are within the same stage, whether or not they're venture backed. So the the great thing about the platform to come is you're actually going to be able to search people um, by geography, by stage, by industry, um, by whether or not they're venture backed, right? Because you're going to have a different set of resources available to you, different set of price points that you're able to spend on the things for your business based off of context. So that context is incredibly important. We wanted to give people a platform where they could reach out to people with context that would be able to be really helpful in helping them sort of leapfrog these really challenging aspects of business growth. Um, So that's sort of why the collective, and it's the whole idea is that with people's collective wisdom, we can get a lot further. Um, you know, we've we've contemplated the idea of a fund, but really we want to be a source for knowledge right now where we can connect you to whatever source of capital is right for you, right? Like you might not be ready to go get venture funding. And if that's the case, then we want to connect you with an amazing angel network that we know of or with a bank, you know, for small business loans or sort of walk you through that process. So, um, the other piece of it is really education and, um, and resources. So we're actually going to have sort of an Angie's list style crowdsourced bed of resources available for founders that they'll be able to search by, um, industry and stage as well. So that if they're looking for a really amazing digital marketing agency, they can see who actually recommended it and reach out to that person and get a firsthand testimonial. And then the third piece is really around education where we're going to be providing programming based off of pain points, right? So a common thread that we've just seen in our existing community is people are asking, do I go get a loan or do I go get venture funding, right? So what is the difference between those and what is the process aligned with those? What does the future look like um, on the back of getting either one of those? Uh, And then another question is often around digital marketing and how do I go out and develop social media content and who, what types of influencers do I work with? So we see these very common questions that keep getting asked again and again, that then we go out, we find the experts, they're within our network of incredibly vetted individuals who are experts within their field. And then we ultimately provide a workshop so that you can get the skills training in real time on demand based off of the things that you need. What I what I find really striking about what you've just talked about, and I think we, we talk about this a ton here on FOMO Sapiens, is like, there's this glorification of raising capital, like somehow like raising capital is the end, not the means. 
And I think we can all right. agree like that is thank you, Shark Tank, for I mean, we love Shark Tank. It's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Super love it. But it's that is what that show is about the capital raising and stuff like that. So it's created this whole culture. I mean, that and many other we're not gonna blame just Shark Tank, but you have raised a, a bunch of points about just like all the other stuff that needs to happen. And a lot of times people may not even understand venture capital. And so as I think about that, like it's the like the quote unquote mentor capital or, you know, I've heard that term thrown around. It's like all of the ideas and advice and learning from your peers and others is super valuable. And so you guys, because you have this, you have this laboratory now that you've built and you, so you're seeing a lot of companies. Yeah. I'm curious, like, what have you seen? Like, what would be the advice? Say, you know, somebody comes on day one and you've now seen a bunch of the challenges of other companies, like, you know, starting with you, Ali, and then, and then Rebecca, like, what would be the, 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 the piece of advice that you would give to a founder coming in that you think probably is going to be the most impactful for them? Yeah, I would say that it's all about self-awareness. Um, I think a lot of founders come in and they try to be the Jill of all trades and do every single part of their business. And they don't really understand. And they think it just takes like gutting it out or being gritty in order to succeed. And you do need grit. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't know where your strengths and weaknesses lie, it's going to be really hard to create a team to be able to execute. And execution is everything. You can have the most incredible idea and you can be extremely talented, but the fact of the matter is you can't do it all. So I think that's something that's been really clear for me and that I've seen as an angel investor looking at a number of different businesses as well. The founders that succeed are those that really understand themselves and what they need in order to move the ball forward. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. All right, Rebecca, what, what would you say to that same question? I think that a lot of people get lost on this idea because they see in here, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the sexiness or the apparent sexiness of raising capital. And I think someone's mission can become almost uh, sent to the back burner because then you go raise capital. And I think that while it's incredible that we profile all these people who've raised a billion dollars, really make sure that A, you need to raise money. At all costs, I advise people, why don't you just make a, a nice margin and have a profitable business that funds your lifestyle um, instead of being on the fundraising train? So I tell people, A, not everyone has to raise, not everyone needs to raise, not everyone is starting a business that needs to raise capital. There's so much you can do, alternative forms of financing, whether it's crowdfunding or 
like what Allie mentioned, some angels or seed rounds, that doesn't mean you have to be sold to a VC for a billion dollars. And I think if we could focus on having, you know, what was small businesses being the backbone of America, people were just proud to have a small business. And and small doesn't mean small. $20 million is a really beautiful size company. Um, so I would just tell people to make sure what you're building is something that needs funding or warrants it. And then to be really thoughtful and careful and hold out till you can, you know, because you'll have a lot more of your company at the end of the day than someone who sells it on day one and comes out the other end with barely any. Yeah. And, and you can go talk to all these investors. I mean, one of the things that, that I, I learned over the years is like, when people go to talk to VCs, like when you ask for money, you get advice. When you ask for advice, you get money. So go get all the, talk to people. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. But this this fetishization of the unicorn and raising angel rounds, I mean, it is so, it's, it's, it becomes like a distraction. It's so unrealistic because most companies won't be billion dollar companies. And that's okay. Because if it's a $20 million company, as you said, Rebecca, like that can be amazing. I mean, there's many paths to heaven. Now, I'd love to just talk a little bit about the impact that you're having and sort of what you're trying to build and where you, you see things going. So, so perhaps we'll start with you, Rebecca. Uh, what have you seen so far and where do you think things are going? Well, we've grown the community to almost 10,000 members. The SEAL's on over 3 million products. We quickly pivoted, you know, last year to become a digital education company and really surveyed the community. Who do you need to hear from and what do you need to know? Because these women have started their companies with a passion, uh, not necessarily all the education they needed to succeed. And so we're there to give it to them. And I think, Ali, do you want to talk about the fundraising impact we've had as well? Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to fundraising, that was something that Patrick, I, I noted earlier in our conversation. One of the reasons why we're not building a fund is we feel like we can have more impact by being a bridge to capital in various forms. And like Rebecca said, it doesn't always have to be VC. That said, we did recognize that women now are raising less than 3%. We're at the time raising less than 2% of venture capital dollars. And we had a good sense of why that might be happening. Part of it is community and network. I think another big part of it is just having the vernacular and understanding the process. If you didn't go to business school or you weren't in finance, it's really hard to speak the language. So we partnered up with UBS for a program called Project Entrepreneur. And what that was, was essentially a 12-week program that was an accelerator that taught you about the process of raising capital. And it was sort of a stair-stepped curriculum where we started you out just in terms of what does your business model look like and sort of how do you think about that? And um, and then at the very end, it, it got all the way down to negotiating terms. At the end of the program, um, the goal was for the next 18 months for our founders to collectively raise around 20 million. And we had 50 founders, by the way, in the program. Um, ultimately, to date, we've seen that founders have raised almost 15 million. So we're almost at our goal. Uh, but that is another thing is, is developing these programs that really help us to see what is the actual numeric and quantitative impact that we're making uh, to help move the ball forward for women. Now, I imagine there are people listening right now uh, who say, I want to do this. Uh, or they say, well, I'm not a female, but I know a woman who is 
want to start a business and I'm going to tell her about this. So for people who want to get involved and become part of this, how do they do it, Allie? Yeah. So we actually are going to have an application, um, that is going live actually, I think tomorrow, um, a new app. Okay. So it'll be, it'll be up by the time this airs, which is good. It's an application process where we ask you a number of things about your business because we really want to understand how to match you to, you'll ultimately get a cohort that's going to be called your board. That is a group of other founders that are have like-minded goals that ultimately you can sit alongside and you can track goals and account and have accountability together. Um, and we ask you things like, what kind of capital are you looking for? Um, if you're, if you are looking for funding, um, we'll ask you things like how much revenue do you have or how many employees, because then we can actually match you up with software and companies that are helpful to that specific stage or level of business. So, um, it's going to be out shortly, but it's a super exciting, uh, app that actually gives us a ton of information about your business that we'll use to super serve them. All right, everybody, you can head over to femalefoundercollective.com. My guests today were Allie Wyatt and Rebecca Minkoff. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. FOMO. Big news. We now have a brand new website. So head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrup. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO. Oh,